Welcome to episode 480 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature writer, producer, storyteller, and winner of 67 Chicago Moth Slams, one of the most highly regarded slam events in the country, Nestor the Boss Gomez. We talk with Nestor about worry dolls, his journey from Guatemala to Chicago, Mayan people, the N-word, diminishing people, the moth, blaming immigrants, being optimistic about the people in the United States, labor of slaves to freedom, how your driver has arrived, descendants and allies, among other things. A grand conversation with Nestor, the boss Gomez, this go-round. We have an EWSA titled The Other Day. We share some sunbeams on alcohol from the July 2022 edition of The Sun magazine. And we have an EW poem called Honey Crumb Cake. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 480 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. This evening, now here's a surprise I know that you have Cause there's magic in my eyes I can see for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles Oh yeah If you think that I don't know about the little tricks you play And never see you when deliberately you put things in my way Well here's a poke at you, you're gonna choke on it too You're gonna lose that smile Because all the while I could see for miles and miles I could see for miles and miles Of my trust in you and I was so far away I saw you holding lots of other guys And now you've got the nerve to say That you still want me Well that says maybe But you gotta stand trial Because all the while I can see for miles and miles I can see for miles and miles for miles and miles and miles and 
Now here's a surprise I know that you have Cause there's magic in my eyes I can see for miles and miles and The other day, the world I live in is a tussle of fragrant breezes from all directions, perhaps one of them leading home. The origin of these invisible waves and their indiscriminate juxtaposition is not known, but for what science can tell us, and I'm not sure if there is a bias preceding this human interpretation. It blows nevertheless. What does it mean to be a family man, a husband, a wife, part of a clan, a brother, a sister, a friend, a father, a mother, an uncle, aunt, cousin, a colleague, a boss, your superior, a mentor, an inventor, a pretender, an enemy, inferior, an optimist, a nihilist, gifted and with special needs. The other day, I again entered the fray as my consciousness predetermined and perceived. I was in the parking lot of a store that sells office supplies, looking at my phone for information and guidance, flipping, sliding, from vibrant bright screen to impulsive live stream, I came across a short video featuring guru, former heavyweight boxing champ Mike Tyson from the borough of Brooklyn. He was talking about how God tests us by giving us everything we want to see if we are strong enough to handle it. This, for some reason, resonates. We fear not getting what we want and losing what we have, not being there for those that we love and respect, not knowing how or not willing to bow. And we fear they will go away. We fear not having them here, turning around and around, up and down, standing still, sitting obstinate, running away, swallowing the pill. In the grand scheme, as it were, gone tomorrow, yet here today. Why, I wonder, haven't I figured this whole living thing out so as not to stray? On a sphere, circling a sphere, day to day, hot and bright to the core, spirit, soul, and physics, until it is all gone and there is no more, endure.
Willy Rodríguez. Nestor Gomez, is that you? Yes, this is me. It's so nice to have you on Troubadours <laughs> and Rock On Tours. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, it's great. It's great. And we're talking on uh, the 4th of July, which I think is kind of a, a good date for us to be meeting each other and talking. Um, you'll see what I mean once we start uh, getting into things. 
Before we do, let me share some background information about uh, Mr. Gomez. Nestor, a.k.a. the boss, Gomez, was born in Guatemala and moved to Chicago undocumented in the mid-'80s. He has won the Chicago Moth Slam 67 times and is a three-time Chicago Moth Grand Slam winner. He is also the creator, producer, curator, and host of 80 Minutes Around the World, a storytelling show that features the stories of immigrants, their descendants, and allies. Troubadours and Rock on Tours is happy to have on the program storyteller extraordinaire, Nestor the Boss Gomez. Again, thank you for taking time out. Again, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Yeah, my, I, uh, I'm looking forward to it as well. Well, let, let's get started uh, with where, you know, it all started for you. How did you end up here doing what you're doing? Well, I ended up in Chicago because my, uh, my, my parents, uh, we, we live, I was born in Guatemala, so my parents, my family, they live in Guatemala. And uh, we used to make um, worry dolls that we used to take to the airport to sell to the tourists that would come to Guatemala and, and buy them. That's how we made our living. But uh, in the mid-'80s, Guatemala was in the middle of a civil war. We've been in the middle of a civil war for many years. Even after we left, the civil war was still rampant. So tourists were not coming into the country as much, and we started to lose a lot of money, and we couldn't make a living anymore. So my parents decided to emigrate to Chicago, and the plan was for them to emigrate to Chicago, save some money, and then go back to Guatemala and keep the business going. But things continued to get worse in Guatemala, and after about five years of being separated from our parents, then they decided to bring us to Chicago undocumented, and we came to Chicago undocumented in the mid-'80s. And that's a fascinating story. And and when you 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 said worry dolls, is that what it is? Yes, worry dolls. Uh, worry dolls are little tiny dolls that a parent uh, gives to the kids whenever the kid has a problem or a worry or a nightmare. And then the the kid tells the worry, nightmare, or problem to the doll. They put it underneath the pillow, and then the parent comes in the middle of the night and takes the worry the doll away, taking the worry away. And these are tiny little dolls, as as tiny as a uh, maybe somebody's finger, the size of somebody's finger, or even half of that. But we used to make them bigger because the bigger you make them, the more money you make. So <laughs> and, and we used to make these war- dolls and dress them with the attire of the indigenous people, the Mayan people of Guatemala. And like I said, we used to sell them at the airport and the tourist shops. But uh, because of the Civil War, we just couldn't make any more money anymore. And that's when my parents decided to emigrate here. And uh, I love that's a beautiful uh, idea to to help your children learn how to deal with, you know, worry. Because that's part of life oftentimes, as we both know. Now, um, so your ancestors, uh, mainly Mayan, would you say? Or is it a mix of maybe some European as well? I say uh, my, my, uh, for my family, it will have to be a mix. Uh, we, I, I, I wasn't raised on the Mayan tradition uh, because the Mayans are usually relegated to uh, to the countryside, and we used to live in the city. Uh, Mayans, although they were the native people, they are the native people of Guatemala, they are not treated fairly. They don't have the voice, the representation in government that they should have. They are they basically treated as second-class citizens in Guatemala. 
and all throughout Latin America and the native people of Latin America are not treated fairly. Uh, but in my family, yeah, the ancestry is, is a mixed ancestry from European to Mayan, Black, African. Yeah, uh, that's 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 kind of neat, right? You have so much uh, to to refer to, so much that's informing who you are. So many different cultures and experiences. I, I think that uh, I'm, I'm from Southern Italy myself, Calabria, my family, and. Uh, there are so many different influences there as well, Northern African, European, Greek, and uh, we're all that way, really, if you keep going yeah. back, right? Yes, we all come from, uh, if you go look at the Bible or if you look at the science, we all come from uh, a single source of, of people of, that emigrated to different parts of the, of the world. So we all have things in common. I agree. I agree. And you not you mentioned how the the uh, native people are not treated fairly. They're second class citizens in Guatemala. That seems to be a trend across the planet, doesn't it? Sadly, it is because even here in the United States, and native people, as we know, we are on stolen land. And native people here are, are relegated to uh, little pieces of land, and all the treaties and all the pacts that were made with them were. N- never enforce uh, native people are taking advantage of and yeah they are they are the true owners if one can say of the land but they are not given that respect uh, yeah I agree and you know I just read uh, yesterday uh, I guess the Supreme Court you know they've batten a thousand lately oh god uh, they just <laughs> <laughs> they just Let's not talk about the Supreme Court right yeah. now because oh my god I know I know oh well, they just sent out another ruling that uh, negatively affects the indigenous people here in the United States. To basically, uh, you know, the agreement is that the, the way uh, there are social problems, the, the criminality of activity occurs on reservations will be governed first and foremost by the indigenous people themselves. And now the Supreme Court is saying, uh, well, the federal and state can get more involved. I, I just, you know, more than before. So they can get their hands into some of the unique uh, matters that indigenous people face. And I don't think the folks that are on those reservations, the indigenous people are happy about it based on the limited reading I've done. So we just continue, as you mentioned, to break treaties, break agreements, and do whatever we want. And you're telling stories, I think. Uh, that That's what I gather. Uh, based on your experience and based on your research that sort of focuses on these injustices and this, you know, craziness. Yeah, I, I tell personal narrative stories, which are uh, things that happened to me in my life that are 99.9% true to the best of my recollection. Uh, so they are stories of my life uh, where I am the main character. I mean, sometimes I do bring, you know, teachers that were in contact with me, uh brothers, uh, sisters, uncles, mothers that were part of that happening, the thing that was happening during my life uh, that I talk about on my story. Uh, and those are like uh, stories that are things that happened to me that as I grow old, I can reflect on what was happening at a certain time and then see how it's related to either my past, my present, or even my future. So it's, it's helping you just as much, if not more, uh, uh, with understanding as it, perhaps it is the folks you're sharing the stories with. Yes. Uh, for example, there's a story that I tell about a, um, 
one of my very first days in Chicago as a, an undocumented immigrant, I'm seeing for the first time an African-American person. And in Guatemala, we have people that were darker, you know, than, than others. But I never really came into contact with somebody from 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 the uh, from like African American, like some somebody's as dark as the people that live here. Uh, so in Guatemala, we refer to those to people like that as negros, which is the word uh, that was basically the Spanish word for black people. And I remember saying that word to an African American kid, and the kid getting upset at me, and I had no idea why he was upset at me because first I didn't speak English. And uh, I was just, in, in my understanding at the time of, of words and the meaning, I was just repeating a word in Spanish that meant black. And then one of my friends explained to me, you know, uh, what, what, why my word was upsetting that this kid, because it was very similar to a word that is used here in, in America, in the United States, to refer to black people in a demeaning way. Mm-hmm. And then I remember in my story, I go back and say uh, how the people in my country are treated, the native people in my country are treated, are treated badly and they are they are called Indios, which is like basically Indians. And that's a, a way to refer to native American people as if they dumb, if they are hard to understand, if they lazy. Uh, so I, con- I, I make a connection between how the people in my land are treated unfairly and use a word to diminish them, to insult them to this kid here in the United States and how that word diminishes and insults him. And in the instant I make that connection and then I realized I have insulted him the same way that people back in our country insulted either me or other people because of our, our ancestry or because of the color of our skin. Um, and so that was an experience. It was like my first day in, in one of my first days in Chicago. And at the time it was a little bit hard for me to understand it. But as you go, as you grow older, then you could look back at this experience and understand them in a bigger context. So that's why my stories are try to 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 explain or try to uh, teach the audiences. And some stories are are you know more funnier than others. Some stories are sadder than others. And the stories about immigration, about family, about work. How you know how how did you realize? that you were a storyteller or wanted to become one? Yeah, uh, I think we are all storytellers. You know, like uh, we all have a bad day at work and we want to vent to somebody and say like, oh, I had this such a bad day at work. My boss was riding my ass and this and that, that happened. That's a story on itself. Uh, How we told the story you know, it takes a little bit of of work how how we create, uh, how we craft those stories so the audience can relate to the stories better. But I think we are all storytellers. With me, I used to stutter when I was a kid, so I couldn't talk at all. Uh, when I was in Guatemala, I could barely talk. And then when we moved to the, to the United States, I was getting over my stuttering little by little, but then because of the shock of the new country, new language, new people, new everything, I started to stutter again. So I became a, a bilingual stutterer. <laughs> And I couldn't talk for the longest. Uh, then even when I got married, I was still stuttering. When I got married here in the United States, I was still stuttering. But because of the fact that I had to provide for my family and I was working, I had to like force myself to talk to people. I was working at a fast food restaurant, so I had to talk to people and I forced myself to start talking and start talking. And eventually I got over my, my stuttering. And uh, let's say I got over my stuttering in a way that I can communicate, that people can understand me, but I still stutter from time to time. 
So I, I am still a stutter, uh, still stutter from time to time. I either repeat one word or a couple of words very fast. Uh, and I catch myself doing that from time to time, or I get stuck at a word. But what I do now that if I get stuck at a word, like like if I'm meant to say house, I, and I can't say house for whatever reason, then I just say the place where I live. Right. Uh, so that's a house. <laughs> so I go around the words at times. Um, so because I couldn't talk, I used to write down all my feelings, all my ideas. I, I wrote from a very early age. And I wrote a lot of poetry that I, 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 in high school here in the United States, I made a goal to write a poem a day. Uh, and some of those poems were really bad. Like I, I, I have some of them, some of them still, and I look at them like, oh my God, this is not even, <laughs> uh, this is not even a poem. But the fact that I kept writing and writing, it helped me become a writer. Um, and it helped me, um, I, I approached my stories like on a very poetic way. You know, because uh, all, all the stories had to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But so does poetry. Um, poetry, uh, you can uh, mix and match. You could um, start at the beginning, or you could start at the middle. And I, that's the same way that I, pro- I approach my storytelling. Uh, I, I, I use a lot of the things that I learned by writing poetry when I tell a story. So in, in a sad kind of way, that storytelling helped me become a writer. Yeah, it sounds like it. And excuse me, what what age uh, were you when you when you came to Chicago? And uh, I guess we could that was in the eighties. So then we could figure out kind of where you're at today. Yeah, you, you yeah you don't want to do the math. But I was <laughs> I was around fifteen years old when I came to Chicago. Um, yeah, we came in the mid in the mid eighties. So I was about around fifteen years old, and like I said, I used to stutter. And it took me uh, although I got over. Uh, my stuttering a little bit, and I got was able to communicate with people. It took me a long time to get over my fear of public speaking. Yeah, well, you did, obviously. <laughs> We're talking to uh, writer, producer, story ter- storyteller extraordinaire, Nestor the Boss Gomez from his place in Chicago. And uh, the boss, why the boss? What, is, uh, what does that moniker relate to? Yeah, a lot of people think that I that uh, the, the name the boss is because oh I have so many um, uh, most stories and I'm victories and I am the best or I am like you know like uh, the the best storyteller. But to me, the boss doesn't mean like I'm I'm the boss or I'm like the best. To me, the boss the boss the word boss in English sounds a lot to the word boss in Spanish, which means voice. So I came to this country undocumented. I didn't have a voice. I came to this country with a stutter. I didn't have a voice. I came to this country uh, unable to speak the language because I stuttered and because I didn't know the language, which is English. So I didn't have a voice. In more ways than one, I didn't have a voice. So now I can speak English with a very sexy Latino accent. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a USA citizen, and I can speak clearly uh, to people. So in more ways than one, I found my voice. So to me, to be the boss doesn't mean that I'm the best. It means that I have a voice. And that I'm not only that I have a voice, but I'm able to give a voice, a platform to other people to tell their immigration stories. So for a little kid that came to this country without a voice, to be able to find his voice and give other people a voice, it's a, it's a great honor to me. It's a great blessing. And that's why I call myself, or that's why people call me the boss Gomez. Oh, I love it. That's great. That's great. Uh, thanks for sharing that insight. Um, now, 
when um, we we look at some of the more particular projects that you uh, have under your belt, we we talked a bit in the bio uh, about your great success with the Chicago Moth Slam, and I guess that's a is that sort of like a poetry uh, storytelling event? It's a storytelling event. The Moth is the most famous storytelling event I would say uh, in the world. You, for sure, here in the United States, they have a podcast, they have a radio hour, they have a book on how to tell stories now that just came out uh, due to the 25th anniversary. Um, and it's a very famous storytelling event. There have been storytelling events for years all over Chicago that I wasn't aware of because I was working so much. You know, I, I also being able to tell stories and to travel the country telling stories is also a privilege that comes with being able to have a better financial situation. Uh, if I was working two or three jobs, I wouldn't have time or even time to write or even time to tell stories. I would be too busy trying to earn a living. But uh, I'm blessed to have a better financial situation now that allows me time to uh, work on my art, on my writing. Um, so the mod is a very famous storytelling show. They, 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 um, you have to sign up to tell a story. Sometimes they have 10 people on the list, some have, they have 20, sometimes they have 40, depending on the team. And then they take the name out of the hat at random. So sometimes you go to an event that you don't get called, so you don't get to tell a story. And sometimes they, they, they pick your name, you go tell a story, and there's a, they choose three groups of judges to, um, to give a point score to your story, and whoever scored the highest point wins the slam tonight. That's great. And you won 67 times, and then uh, several Grand Slams as well, three-time uh, Grand Slam winner. Very impressive. Um, and what about your project that uh, you call 80 Minutes Around the World? Tell us a bit about that, please. Yes, that project, um, that show grew from uh, the need. There was an um, organization in my neighborhood where I live in Chicago, in Royal Park, that was trying to do a fundraising to help people at risk, communities at risk, women that have been abused, people from the LGBT community, immigrants, refugees, and they were trying to do a fundraising event. So they invited me to the meeting to see what kind of event we could do. And I, since I'm a storyteller, I said, hey, let's do a storytelling event and we bring people from those communities to tell their own stories. Instead of, instead of, instead of us trying to tell their stories, they could come and tell their own stories. So we organized that show and it, it, it went very successful. And I realized then that there were not that many shows in Chicago that focus on the immigration story. And I started, so I took the idea and I just went with it. And I just like started doing my own show that gives um, a platform to the stories of immigrants, refugees, their descendants and allies. Different kind of immigration stories from people from different parts of the world. So people can understand that immigration is not yet. We're going gonna to build a wall on the south border and immigration is going to stop. Because people come from, to this country for different reasons and in different ways. People come to this country. Some of people come with papers, with documents. Some people come without documents. Some people come with documents and the documents expire, then they stay over. So there's different reasons why people come and different, different ways how people arrive to this country. And we want to focus on all those immigration experience and all those immigration stories so people can understand the immigration story a, a lot better than they do now. And that's the whole point of 80 Minutes Around the World. 
that's the whole point of 80 minutes around the world to 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 better educate the audience about the realities of the immigration experience so they could relate on a way to see that people are just trying to come to this country to in search of life freedom and the pursuit of happiness right uh, unlike uh and i'm sure you recall when uh, our former president was running for office, he was talking about this group of people who were con- converging on the United States and they were all criminals and we should be afraid of them just to get people to vote for him. It's such a horrible approach, not close to any resemblance of the truth. So if for that reason, Sad- yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, sadly, sadly as much as we focus on the ex ex-president, ex-person on the White House, the history of um, the history of faulting all the everything, all the problems of the nation on immigrants has also been repeated throughout history. There were uh, laws that were made in California to uh, keep Chinese immigrants from coming into the country. There were laws that were made where they uh, put Japanese people into basically concentration camps. There have been laws in this country all throughout its history, but sadly, the history of the United States is many times whitewashed, and all those uh, all those instances of abuse just are being covered up. So it's good to uh, to not only talk about what's happening in recent years, but also focus on what's been happening throughout history, so we could understand. Just like the native people have been taking advantage of over and over and over again, and the treaties have been ignored. And like you say, even up to now, the Supreme Court is still um, is still doing things that, that affect the Native American population. It's the same thing with the immigrants. Every time there's a little bit of problem in a country, they, they try to point ways, try to bl- blame communities at risk. Exactly, exactly. And now that leads me to another question. Um, are you optimistic about your uh, adopted country, though? I'm optimistic about its people uh, because the country as a, 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 as, a, as a country could go the wrong way as we've seen it on the last couple of years, as we've seen the Supreme Court going against the will of the people. But I'm, I'm more optimistic about the people in the United States of America and the people getting together and fighting for what is right. Uh, just like this country was founded with was funded by the labor of slaves those slaves finally were able to get their freedom because people fought for that freedom and although there were laws that were made to keep people in captivity even after after the uh, slavery ended you know there there were a lot of black codes and jim crow laws people still fighting for those laws to be taken away so I have a lot of faith on the people of the United States, more than I have faith on the government of the United States. Uh, hopefully the government of the United States is, will truly be a government of the people, by the people, for the people. And then we could make the country the country that it's supposed to be. Oh, and what a, what a magnificent country it would be, right, if we yes. did yes. follow those, those very high... Uh, Ideals, uh, yeah, and dreams. Yes. Hopefully, we're getting there. I remember uh, President Obama saying, you know, and, and using some of the words that we have in our country since its beginning, c- trying to create a more perfect union, you know, and, and just you have to keep trying, you have to keep working at it. Sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back, but you can't 
stop trying and there are good people yes yes and and you know and I don't expect us all to be all love and peace and, and kumbaya, kumbaya. I mean, there's going to be people that are not going to love me, that are going to hate me for who I am or because of the color of my skin. Fine, those people could live. Yes, you know, I, I respect your opinion. Yes, don't try to kill me because of them. So you you can have your opinion, I can have mine, and we, can, we could all live in peace. Right, right, exactly. Live and let live. Yes. Uh, whew, wonderful talking to you. Mr. Gomez, and um, you know, before you know it, time runs out. So I want to ask you a couple more questions, and we're going to have to have you on the show again if you want to be on it again, because I could tell we could talk about a lot of a lot of, a lot of stuff. But uh, how about your book? I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your book uh, titled "Your Driver Has Arrived." Yes, thank you for that. I um, I was given the opportunity to to put my some of my stories together, uh, Uber driving stories, Uber and Lyft driving stories, in the city of Chicago. As a as an immigrant, as a, I, I don't drive as an immigrant. I just happen to be an immigrant that was an Uber and Lyft driver, and because of because of who I am and because of my uh, ideas or because of the person that I am, and the idea that I represent. Sometimes I get in, you know I get in, I get to drive. I have um, experiences with people that maybe don't seem eye to eye to my experiences, and sometimes I just have like funny things that happen to me while I'm driving. So uh, what, what I was able to, I was able to tell one story at the mod uh, that I was actually, it actually played on the mod radio hour about me driving for, for Uber and uh, a very impatient old lady gets in the car and she wants to get to the train station at a given time. And as soon as I, she gets into the car and I put the, the address on the GPS, the GPS lady told the lady that, I'm, that we're going to be late. You know that we, we were supposed to be there at six, and that GPS lady said we'll be arriving to your destination at six fifteen p.m. And then the old lady gets mad at me and say, "Oh, you people are always getting there late." <laughs> and then I get mad at the GPS lady for telling that old lady that we're gonna be late, and I get mad at the old lady for saying you people. Uh, so these are things that happen. You know, it's like it just it just happened to be that when she say you people, I felt offended because like, oh, you mean you people like people of color. But I really, in reality, I didn't know she meant you people, people of color, or you people like you Uber drivers. So uh, I was able to put some of those experiences, some of those stories uh, that happened to me while I was driving for Uber and Lyft into a book, a collection of stories called The Driver Has Arrived. And we have two editions. We have one edition where you could just read the stories and enjoy them. And we have another edition that is used, that is, uh, it was written mostly for, for teachers, for ESL teachers. Uh, that they could share the, the story with the students. And at the end of the story, there are three questions that the teachers can ask the students about the story. So they could uh, uh, create a dialogue and create a, 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 a lesson from the story. Uh, my wife happens to be an amazing uh, English teacher. And she was the one that wrote the stories uh, based on, wrote the questions based on the story. So it has three questions for, for every story. And it's a book that I'm very proud of. That sounds wonderful. How how would people be able to get uh, their hands on it? Yes, they could check my website, NestorGomezStoryTeller.com. And as soon as you check my website, there's going to be a little ad that's going to pop up. Boop, if you're interested in my book, here's how you could get it. Uh, once again, that website is NestorGomezStoryTeller.com. Nestor Gomez, the storyteller? StoryTeller.com. Oh, just Storyteller. NestorGomezStoryTeller.com. All right, great. Uh, and... Um, are you working on any future projects you want to share? Yes, we're having a show in Chicago on a little theater called Steppenwolf. 
Oh yeah, um, I know the Steppenwolf. <laughs> <laughs> that the theater is one of the most famous theaters in Chicago. So I'm very, I'm very, I'm very happy to be very honored to to take uh, our show, our 80 minutes around the world immigration show, to the Steppenwolf on July 22nd and 23rd. Um, uh, once again, you could check the website nestorgomezstoryteller.com if you are gonna be in Chicago or you live in Chicago or have family that live in Chicago that might be that might wanna check out our show. NestorGomezStoryTeller.com. And, and can you tell us a little bit about the show? Yeah, the show, uh, again, is going to be stories of uh, immigrants, descendants, and allies. We have some of the some of the people that are very famous storytellers in Chicago sharing some of the stories. And we also have people that have never told stories before that are telling the story for the very first time. I think that it's all, uh, always as important to, to bring the heavy hitters to the show, as it's also to give opportunity to new people to tell the stories. Because I was given the opportunity one time when I signed up to tell the story at the mod, and my life changed completely. After seven years, I I, I have been able to tell stories all over the country. I've been able to tell stories uh, virtually in England and um, other parts of the world that I never even imagined that I would have an opportunity to do so. So in my show, I, I love to give opportunity to people to share stories for the very first time as well. Excellent. And um, we're just about done. Let's go around. I'd love to talk with you again in the future. Uh, any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, I would like just to say that, um, like we say in our show, we say uh, that I hope that we can build bridges instead of building walls. I love it. Happy Independence Day. We're talking today on the 4th of July, 2022. Uh, Nestor Gomez, the boss, writer, producer, storyteller. So nice talking with you, sir. Thank you for having me. Ciao. Ciao. You know, when it gets into this whole issue of border security, you know, who's going to say that the borders are secure? You've got the House and the Senate debating this issue, and it's, it's really astonishing that in a country founded by immigrants, immigrant has somehow become a bad word. So the debate rages on and we continue along with that story. And just like that it's over, we tend to our wounded, we count our dead. Black and white soldiers wonder alike if this really means freedom. Not yet. I got one job, two job, three when I need them. I got five roommates in this one studio, but I never really see them. And we all came America trying to get a lap dance from Lady Freedom. But now Lady Liberty is acting like Hillary Banks with a prenup. Banks with a prenup. Man, I was brave, sailing on graves. Don't think I didn't notice those tombstones disguised as waves. I'm no dummy. Here's something funny. You could be an immigrant without risking your lives or crossing these borders with thrifty supplies. All you gotta do is see the world with new eyes. Immigrants, we get the job done. Look how far I come. Look how far I come. job done it's a hard line when you're an import baby boy it's hard times when you ain't sent for braces feed the belly of the beast with they pitchforks rich chores done by the people that get ignored uh ya se armó ya se despertaron it's a whole awakening la alarma ya sonó hace rato los que quieren buscan pero nos apodan como vagos we're the same ones hustling on every level ten los datos walk a mile in our shoes abróchense los zapatos i've been
scoping y'all dudes Y'all ain't been working like I do while y'all work ya It hurt ya, you claim I'm stealing jobs Oh, Peter Piper claimed he picked them, he just underpaid Pablo But there ain't a paper trail when you living in the shadows We America's ghost riders, the credit's only borrowed It's a matter of time before the checks all come But immigrants, we get the job done Look how far I come Look how far I come Look how far I come We get the job done AOA, immigrants, we don't like that. Nah, they don't play. British Empire strikes back. They're beating us like 808s and hi hats. Our own game of invasion. This ain't Iraq. Who these Fugees? What do they do for me but contribute? New dreams, taxes, and tool swagger and boot to eat. Cool, they flee war zones, but the problem ain't ours. Even if our bombs landed on them like the Mayflower. Buckingham Palace, a Capitol Hill. And now, some sunbeams. From The Sun magazine, it's July 2022 edition. Sunbeams are quotes gathered by the magazine under the umbrella of a particular thought. The thought here is alcohol. And here are the sunbeams, the quotes. Alcohol, I had learned, was an eloquent, if somewhat inaccurate, interpreter. I had placed my trust that December night in glass after glass of it, eager not for drink, but for a bit of talk. Monique Truong from the Book of Salt. When a man who is drinking neat gin starts talking about his mother, he is past all argument. C.S. Forrester from the African Queen. The one conclusion I have reached is that whiskey is a great leveler. You might be a hotshot advertising executive or a lowly foundry worker, but if you cannot hold your drink, you are just a drunkard. Vikas Swarup, Q&A Oh God, that men should put an enemy in their mouths to steal away their brains. William Shakespeare, Othello. To a drinker, the sensation is real and pure and akin to something spiritual. You seek, in the bottle, you find. Caroline Knapp. That he sometimes felt was why he loved being high so much. Not because it offered an escape from everyday life, as so many people thought, but because it made everyday life seem less everyday. For a brief period, briefer and briefer with each week, the world was splendid and unknown. Hanya Yanagahara from A Little Life. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Homer Simpson. The chief reason for drinking is the desire to behave in a certain way and to be able to blame it on alcohol. 
Mignon McLaughlin. I began to think vodka was my drink at last. It didn't taste like anything, but it went straight down into my stomach like a sword swallower's sword and made me feel powerful and godlike. Sylvia Plath from The Bell Jar. One drink is too many for me, and a thousand not enough. Brendan Behan. It shrinks my liver. It pickles my kidneys. But what does it do to my mind? It tosses the sandbags overboard so the balloon can soar. Suddenly I'm above the ordinary. I'm competent, supremely competent. I'm walking a tightrope over Niagara Falls. I'm one of the great ones. I'm Michelangelo molding the beard of Moses. I'm Van Gogh painting pure sunlight. Charles Brackett and Billy Wilder from The Lost Weekend. That men and women can, by physical and chemical means, transcend themselves in a genuinely spiritual way is something which, to the squeamish idealist, seems rather shocking. But, after all, the drug or the physical exercise is not the cause of the spiritual experience. It is only its occasion. Aldous Huxley Well, sometimes I go out buzzing And I look across the water And I think of all the things What you doing And in my head I paint a picture Since I come home Well, my body's been a mess And I miss your gender hip And the way you like the daggers Won't you come on over Stop making a fool out of me Why don't you come on over, Valerie Thank you. 
Well, sometimes I go out by myself and I look across the water. And I think of all the things, what you're doing. And in my head, I paint a picture. Since I come home, well, my body's been a mess. And I miss your tender hair and the way you like to dig it. Won't you come on over and stop making a fool? Honey crumb cake, lavender peach honey crumb cake in a tin pan, warm on a tabletop next door, as the woman who made it from scratch is working her wily ways to score and snatch something sexual using her voice and curves and natural allure. Her smooth and hairy moist is put into action until all is together grabbing for traction in a beaming, beautiful, sweat-glistened lust pile of undulating hearts and limbs. No mind, no sin. Her wondrous buttocks is the ultimate prize as you see it softly rise. The crumb cake tells no lies. Do 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 do
Peer around the corner at you From over my shoulder I need you I need you to understand These are the earthquake drills that we ran Under the freeway overpass The tears behind your dark sunglasses The fears inside your heart's deepest gashes Episode 480 of Troubadours and Rockon Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Nestor Gomez, The Sun Magazine, and these musical artists. Thelonious Monk, The Who, La Excelencia, Lynn Manuel Miranda, Canaan and Friends, Amy Winehouse, Hayam, Branford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard too. And of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.